Here's the thing. We're a team of thieves. And when you do this, you're bound to make enemies. Sometimes those enemies come looking for revenge. Exactly that you bring to this. I'm a planner. I make plans. You've already made the plan, so if the existing plan fails, I make a new plan. So you make plans that fail. No. He also plays the loot. Not relevant. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin. It's best film ever. My name's Ian, and I'm joined today by one of our friends of the podcast who actually brought forward this film to the podcast. He's a man of mystery, but we know him as Yeet. It's the Yeetmeister. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you doing? Hey, I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, we're we're doing was it six hours difference between us here? So it's a uh, it's what it's a Tuesday, I think today. So it's a Tuesday early evening for me, and a Tuesday late morning for you. It is almost noon on Wednesday for me. Oh, sorry, it's Wednesday. <laughs> I'm getting my days all mixed up. It's not Tuesday. <laughs> That'd be a heck of a time difference if that was the case. But no, so we are, we're here today to do Dungeons and Dragons. Is it called Honor Among Thieves? Is that the subtitle yes. for it? Okay. And, and we were just uh, hanging out in the, in the Patreon group chat, and you, you fired up. Was that, we planning on doing this. I'm not sure I was, if I'm being honest. But I didn't know what the um, what the sort of perception of it was going to be large scale so actually uh things like like the patreon things like the you know people just just chipping in some 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 thoughts like that it's a good chance for us to put our barometer up and see okay so what is out there and what's getting people's attention so i'm a teacher i'm on easter break here in the uk we get two weeks off and i thought hey i can go to a movie day so i knocked out this and the super mario brothers movie back to back no, I, I haven't seen the Mario's one yet, yeah, but so. that's that's coming along this weekend. Yeah, the so. Mar- <laughs> no spoilers. No, no spoilers from me. So check, I'll have something out for that very, very shortly. But we're here today, Yeet and I are here, to talk about Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. So if this is your first time listening to a Sealer Skip It, let me break down how we do this here. We will start off and we will do a spoiler-free version of the, uh, I suppose, spoiler-free re- review on, on the film. At the end of which, we will give you our verdict. We'll tell you whether we think you should see it or skip it. Ergo the branding. And then we will give you many warnings. And you're going to hear something that sounds like this. And when I say sound like this, I mean, that's exactly what you're going to hear. And then I'm going to say the word spoiler like 15 times and reference a very obscure song by Blur. And then what's going to happen is we're going to give you our, our honest spoiler-filled thoughts. So you can pause it at the end. If you go, hey, uh, I think I'm going to go see this based on the spoiler-free review, you can pause it halfway through and come back to it afterwards and see, do you agree with with our sort of spoiler-filled version of it at the end? Or you can, if you've already heard it, you can bang through both. Or if you choose, hey, it's not for me, you, can, you want to be spoiled, you can go ahead and have that experience too. S- choose your own adventure here with the BFE. So there we are. Up. Uh, Yeet, um, what's your what's your background? Do you have like an affinity for Dungeons and Dragons? Naturally, what was it that made you want to go see this film? Um, yes, very much. I've played Dungeons and Dragons for I want to say about seven years now. It was like a freshman year in college, and you know, I just love the mechanics. Made made a lot of good friends over the years, 
And when this movie was announced and it came out, it's immediately like, oh, this looks amazing. Because I don't know if you're aware, there was a, another D&D movie that was released decades ago, which was not good. It, it was not good. It took itself way too seriously. And it was just not what was needed. Um, so I went in to see this with a friend of mine um, who has no background with Dungeons & Dragons whatsoever. And afterwards, I thought, oh, my goodness, I have to share this with the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> But it all started with my love for the game. And it just, I just thought it looked like a great movie. And it's greatness aside, like I wanted to see Warcraft when it came out. Yep. And I kind of knew that was going to be like probably not great. So <laughs> it's kind of hard to think about your expectations going to something like that. It struck me as a very strange IP or branding to bring to a film. Um, because I have no real uh experience. What's oh, I have no experience with Dungeons and Dragons. Um, people often say to me, "Ah, oh, you ever tried Dungeons and Dragons?" I'm like, "No, nah, I'm just have that look about me." Everyone, you, you, you seem like you, you know, um, kind of a creative kind of kind of mindset. I think intellectually, I kind of go, "That might be the kind of thing I'd be into." It's just not something that anybody who I was sort of in, engaging with went down that direction. So I didn't have someone to bring me in for a test run so to speak um there was definitely a table of people who played it when we were at high school there were a table of guys they were the D D guys um and that was their thing and i've dated a, uh, a girl a little while ago and she had a recur she had a regular game campaign that, that they were meeting up and doing once a month or whatever like that and you know these are these are pro- professional people now into their into their late 20s um and so, and, and they have a game. So the social element of it, especially, I also think things like like the internet's helped with it. I think things like Stranger Things has helped with it, sort of raising that profile. Where you know, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, but just just the God's honest truth. In the late '90s, those guys at that table who played it, they weren't the coolest guys in the school. Uh, whereas I think that sort of um, rise of nerd culture, if you will. Uh, has helped things like Dungeons and Dragons, um, Big Bang Theory, stuff like that, where, where we sort of take these moments and we've been able to, through use of the internet, find groups of people who go, no, no, th- th- this is cool. I'm not going to have you tell me that it isn't cool just because it wasn't mainstream. Because the 90s were a very mainstream time. Might have been the most mainstream time of all times because we had, we were big enough that we had stuff, but not so big enough that we could diversify our interests. So I think that was that. So I went in going, I really don't know what the appeal is to a neutral if you don't have familiarity or exposure to the game itself. So at which point then you're left to rely on star power. And this film had a little bit of star power going for it, uh, which, I mean, I don't know what it was like in the the U.S. because I think you guys in Canada as well are much more saturated with film promotion than we are here in the U.K., uh, but that being said, so what was the buzz for Dungeons and Dragons over there? Um, honestly, there wasn't a lot outside of what you would see in like Twitter feeds, people posting like trailers, posting, um, hype for it. Um, I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV, so I don't really see if there was like on air advertisements for it. Um, but every now and then something would come up. Like if I'm scrolling through something for, um, a YouTube video for a tutorial or something, um, and there would just be a short little snippet of the movie, um, and 
a lot of my friends, aside from my D&D group, didn't really know about it too much, aside from this one friend I went to go see it with. So I don't think the hype was, I don't think the hype was too massive. Yeah, I think here, Super Mario, we knew was coming out and it felt pretty big. I think D&D kind of slid under the radar. And I'll say this, I did the, as I just said, I did the, the double feature today. And I think this is D&D's at most second week of of release, if not the end of the first week of release. And uh, the, the so we have, we have a little sort of four-screen cinema up by where I am. And the Super Mario one was dedicated on two separate screens, bouncing back and forth, but between it and the two big, big ones. And then the one that I went and saw um, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves on was about a third of the size of the other two screens. So that's their prognostication for it. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was definitely uh, an, an interesting one as far as that went. Um, sort of, I guess, the genre of the film would, would strike up as, as fantasy. Um, yeah, I think they're trying to tap into similar... Um, similar um audiences who might be into things like as widespread as from 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 warcraft to lord of the rings i guess and mm-hmm. everywhere in between um and there there definitely was a challenge because it is a mario movie you know mario has you know is has been a cultural icon for years so to go up against that in like a similar time span it seemed almost. I would think it would be almost pointless to try to market as much as a Mario movie when you have that big of a competition. Oh yeah, yeah. I think you're dealing with people's nostalgia and the budgets of Nintendo and Paramount combined. Um, I think that's who the distribution company was, at least over here. Um, also, I mean, I'll say this much. I mean, the demographics who went to see it. I mean, I'll just say this much. I was I was surprised there were so many. It sounds really stupid. I was surprised there were so many kids going to see Mario. Um, I, I'll, I'll share my thoughts more on that when I release whatever I do for that. But it was a it was an older, still still some children teenagers in there, but definitely an older, older and younger subset for um. For all, for Dungeons and Dragons, I guess Mario can grandparents can relate to it, and and like six year olds can relate to it, and everything in between. I think Dungeons and Dragons is kind of like you know teenage years to probably about the parents thereof, but you're not going much beyond that. Yeah, generally, I I think when I went to go see it, I'm pretty sure my friend and I were the youngest people in the theater at the time. Wow. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but every now and then when you go into like game shops, you see some people who are on like 11 to 13 trying to join a game or so when it's like an open game night. So it's the demographic reaches a lot younger than even I would have thought these days. But again, that comes a lot to star power, not just for like the movie, but the well, broader Dungeons and Dragons community is it's gotten pretty massive, and which is a change from I'm pretty sure you remember from way back then the whole satanic panic and worrying about it being a cult and summoning the devil and all that. So it's an interesting turnaround. Indeed. I just want to let you know, I'm still here, even though I believe my camera has gone dark for some reason. So, uh, I just want to let you know, I am indeed still in the room. If you can still hear me, that. <laughs> nah, I can still hear you. Great. I'll figure it out. At some point. 
That's weird. hasn't shown up for me the whole time, though. Oh, the whole time? Wow. Yeah. Okay. All I see is an EOS webcam utility. I thought that, I didn't know if that was on purpose or not. No, so. no, 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 no. I, I think communication's important. <laughs> Let me see if I can. Yeah, connect an EOS camera. Why are you not connecting that? That's weird. I'm going to try this one more time and see what happens there. Oh, something's gone rough there. That's okay. I can do that whilst we are are chatting. Let me ask you a question then. As a faithful, long-time D&D player, how do you feel coming out of this? Is this uh, quality of film aside, do you – because every now and then you go and see – like when you watch the – I hate to keep going back to it. When I watch the first Super Mario Brothers movie, I mean the one with Dennis Hopper and Bob Hoskins – or Mortal Kombat movies, the Street Fighter movies, you walk out going, movie aside, that feel like the game, that it put me in the universe of that situation well enough. So the question is, did it feel like a Dungeons and Dragons movie to you, or did it feel like a fantasy movie they slapped some branding on? Honestly, it did feel like a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, movie aside, just a lot of the stuff, I know game mechanics aren't going to completely transfer over to a, like a, a film um, medium. But even then, they were able to kind of put a lot of the mechanics and kind of the thought. Like, if you're aware of how stuff works or um, you know what different things are, like classes, abilities, and all that, and just how generally how a campaign goes and how a campaign feels, it really did feel like a proper Dungeons & Dragons movie. Excellent. I got to take a look and see if you can see me now. Yeah, yeah I, get, I get to see oh, you now. You can see me now. Okay, great. Yeah. I, I, I was listening. See, it felt it was faithful. They, they they put you in the world effectively, and you didn't feel sort of taken advantage of as far as your fandom. Right. It, it didn't feel like a shoehorn or like a giant cash grab. It felt like a faithful adaptation of kind of the game world, as well as having people in the movie who really felt like they were passionate for the project. Like, there was no half-assed um, performances, yeah. at least in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah. I've got some. The- I was watching one bit, and I something came to me. Maybe I'll get to that um, a little bit more after the jump. But yeah, I hadn't even considered. You know, I don't know about Chris Pine or any of the other actors involved in this, and if they actually have any experience playing the game or or things like that. That's that's kind of an interesting thought that I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have considered. Or even if it's even is it important to fan base that they are? I I, I don't know. Um, but maybe the time to start talking about the performances. We'll, we'll do some broad strokes here, some spoiler-free stuff. Um, I will say this. I thought the acting in the film was more than fine. I thought the acting was was actually a strength of this film. I, I would agree. Yeah, I thought Chris Pine, um, <laughs> I thought really strange. Uh, at first, I went, oh, Chris Pine. Hmm. Which is kind of my, my thought process on this. Um, and I was, I was trying to figure out, cause you know, he's Mr. He's Mr. Star Trek. Maybe he's looking for another, um, another universe, another sort of, sort of big scale thing to get involved in. Um, cause I think everything's I tr- he was in Star Trek. Pardon me? I forgot he was in Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, he's Mr. Star Trek. And he's a, I, 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 he said price himself out of it. And I think he needs some leverage in a second franchise. Uh, can do really really well for you just ask chris pratt just ask um daniel craig uh you know if you have a second universe you can sort of leverage one against the other um also this is less he's clearly the star of the movie in this it's chris pine and then there's a sizable jump to uh uh, Michelle Rodriguez who I was really you know talk about someone who's already in one franchise that seems to be coming to an end 
Uh, I thought she was excellent in this film. Yes. I think she was one of my favorite parts of the movie was just seeing her. And I was very surprised because every now and then she has, she comes up with a movie that she's kind of like, you know, she's all right. Just a little mad. Like I think like avatar or you think yes. she is all right. And I haven't seen any of the fast and furious movies, so I can't really say anything about that. I've seen but, the you know, first one. Uh, she was in lost. She always plays tough girl. That's her kind of I'm tough, broody girl. But in this one, it was like she was like, you took, I don't know if you've seen The Mandalorian, but she's yes. kind of like that Cara Dune character, but like leveled up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, um, we, we've got some, we've got some legitimate, um, it's not just acting tough. She's backing it up in this film, but in a way that her, her, her skills as an actress were way above whatever the um, woman is who plays Cara Dune in, 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 in Mando or used to play Cara Dune, I should say, in Mando. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of, I'm kind of with you on Michelle Rodriguez, where I'm not necessarily, she doesn't show up, and I don't necessarily go, oh, good, she's here. But I'm like, what is she going to provide? And with Chris Pine going 70% of the way to a Marvel lead, where he's a bit quippy and he's a bit, he's a bit Star Lord, but he's not nearly that far. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a great one to balance him out again. She's a great part in the expression straight man. So he can be the kind of slightly quirky one. Yes. And uh, what? Oh, um, and I'd say she was very much a, a surprise for me. Cause I didn't think she'd be in anything just of this. That's looking for the right word, not caliber, but this kind of project, you know, this high fantasy, kind of adaptation like that was i was very much surprised that michelle Rodriguez, of all people kind of not surprised for chris pine considering you know he's done a lot of like comic stuff and that's a little easier kind of get into the nerd culture like he was i forget his name for wonder woman oh yes 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 i forgot he was in wonder woman so you forgot he was in star (laughs) trek i forgot he was in wonder woman um that that this duo just worked out really well um as you kind of say uh and honestly, that near Marvel writing normally has been a detriment as of late for like the recent phase. It worked out more of in its favor for this. I think it's because they knew where the limit was, where I don't think phase four Marvel knows where the limit is anymore at all. They just push everything way too far as far as the sort of silliness and the, and, and the, and the zinger. The zinger is more important than the story. And this one, I think the story was still the more important thing um i just want to round out i don't really think there was a a weak performance in oh hang on that's not true <laughs> i will say that uh i thought for the most part the, and that's why i think the one performance really stands out as being dreadful but um if we look at the our our, our merry band of characters uh we've got sophia lillis and uh, we've got Justice Smith, both of whom I thought were actually really, really strong as well. And at the end, you do get the idea. It's like, you know, it's their typical ragtag group of underdogs against the world. I don't think we're spoiling anything by by sort of saying this. So they were great. And the film gave them chances to shine and gave them who it definitely gave it gave the the male character, uh, uh, Simon, it gave him a definite arc. Um, 
I'll save it. It made uh, the girl, uh, Doric, it made her look strong. I'm not sure she had an arc. Oh, she kind of, they pigeonhole something for her, but yeah. Kind of. Like, she was kind of involved. She had, they gave her, like, a reason to be there. So it's not exactly They stated place, one. But. I'm not sure they addressed it too much until the end of the film again, but they stated it at the start. I mean, initially, that, I mean, her character introduction kind of shows her kind of agency for being a part of this. But once she joins on. Does it feel like she's just kind of off to the side? Not off to the side, but her her character's motivation becomes secondary to everybody else's character motivations. Yeah, I I'd say that'd be the case, and kind of gets thrown along in with uh, Justin Smith Simon with Simon's um, sort of arc. Yes, kind of. Um, and then uh, Reggie jean page i don't know if i'm saying his name correctly i believe this is the guy from bridgerton if 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 my eye is is correct i haven't seen bridgerton i think this is the bridgerton guy i i haven't seen it either so i I can't confirm or deny i believe i'm gonna click on his name by his face on my screen and yes he is the bridgerton guy who was also in the the gray man i will say this he's infinitely better in this than he was in the gray man i'll say this i thought he was excellent in this movie actually like a lot of comic relief, uh, you know, if you've seen Drax the Drax the Destroyer, it's kind of along that line to a degree where he, you know, where he's sort of where he's going. But he was again just a he was a nice extra bit into this group. Right. It was more along the lines of like first movie Drax as opposed to second movie Drax. If that makes any sense, like Agreed. he had a lot of he had stoicism that was played for laughs, yeah. but it wasn't anything that was eye rolling. No, no, no. It was all. It, it, it felt it felt earned. I don't know if it was the way it's just deliveries that good or the writing was that good, but I was uh I was a fan of how they treated him. And uh I will just close it out by saying I thought Hugh Hugh Grant was very good too. As Hugh Grant sort of develops how he's going to um how he's going to adapt to Hollywood, not as his typical leading man, romantic comedy kind of self. He's sort of undergone a renaissance since appearing in the in the Gentleman, and um, and whatever that American TV show was opposite Nicole Kidman. Mm. And I really, whenever he pops up, I'm like, I wonder where he's going to go with this. He seems to have found a freedom in his acting, and uh, he seems like he's having fun with it. And I am here for the ride. Yes. He was my absolute favorite part of this movie. Was he? He did his part. He did his part really, really well. His performance was exceptional, I'd say, and his role in the overall just story is <sighs> until we get to the to it's, spoiler it's part. Difficult. I, I can't it's difficult. that, but it was all I say is it was. I think it was a real highlight of the movie. Uh, if I can, oh, and even the kid, the kid, Chloe Coleman, she was really good. I ultimately liked child actors. I thought she was strong, but Daisy Head, who played Sophina, was absolutely dreadful in this film. She was terrible. It's like someone said, hey, you know that one character from Justice League who just sort of flails her arms around? Can you kind of do an impression of that? And I was like, the whole time, I'm just like, I wasn't invested in, oh, it was, I don't know what, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a struggle for me. (laughs) I honestly didn't think it was that bad. Oh, really? Okay. 
No. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously not everyone's going to stand out, you know, in a, in a star-studded cast like this. I, I didn't think she was awful. Oh, I mean, see, I thought she stood out, but for the wrong reasons. I, I think it's just how, just comparing how what everyone had to do for the film, like role and kind of character-wise, and she was very much like a... Oh, absolutely. That pan straight on, you know, someone had to be an outlier. Absolutely. Um... Uh, trying to think of non-spoilery kind of thoughts. Um, long movie at two hours plus. Did it feel like a long movie to you? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it did. And the reason why it felt like a long movie to me, because I was thinking about this, unfortunately, as I was watching the film, which, which that's always a bad sign when I start thinking about the construction as I'm watching it. I felt it had no act one. I felt we jumped right into act two. Act one was a bit of backstory they gave us and we're already there. And they're throwing so many names and characters and locations and MacGuffins at me that I'm like, wait, what now? And, um, that's, that was a bit rough. And then act three begins actually as a result. Cause you can't, I mean, act two was probably an hour and 15 or an hour of the first hour and 15. And then act three was the last hour and 15. As a result, I had a really good time in act three, but I was, I was I'm definitely trying not to go, not, not to go spoilery on this one, but not about the halfway point of this film. I'm going, this thing sucks. And then they got me back during the, um, the return is I guess the best was the best way I can put it. Uh, it's that great bit when you get all your characters motivated on one page and they all have their own redemption arcs to go on. And I felt they won it in the end, but man, it was a bit of a mess getting there. Is the best way I can sort of put it. I thought script, I thought screenplay was good. I thought the story needed work. Um, I think they did pay everything off in the end. Uh, I did I did groan at one specific point, but I can't bring that up until after the break. So, <laughs> there's a, so for me, it, it, it did feel like it, it was it was a bit labored. Um, I thought the opening five ten minutes were fantastic, and then I thought the next hour were a chore, and then the hour after that was actually really quite fun. Okay, I, I can understand that, and that's kind of the detriment for being a, a labor of love to the material because it plays out pretty much like a campaign you start coming meeting up again there's a ton of exposition what happened before what's happening today and then you kind of jump right into where you left off essentially and kind of go on from there because the, so that's sorry continue no i, I was just saying, i i think from what i understand about dungeons and dragons which is very limited and usually you know uh, i want to thank community for giving me some sort of basis of introduction for it um <laughs> In general, I or even what I understand is that each character has like a unique element to it. And to have a good campaign, you want to have a well-rounded group of characters so that they're able to combine their talents in moments of high crisis to be successful in what they're going for. Correct. Okay. I feel that in order to establish what all their special things are, that takes some time. And as a result, 
I feel that when they finally do get this moment of crisis where they all have to come together, it really felt like that. Like, there's mm-hmm. one sequence where I'm like, this I imagine is what, like, the final moments of, of, of a campaign probably feel like you're doing. I'm going to do this, then you're doing this, then I'm doing this. And it worked out really, really, I was sitting there going, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. But yeah, there were stretches where they were trying to establish um internal story logic mm-hmm. and that takes time but there was that middle sort of macguffin quest if you will um right. that that bit to acquire that that thing that mm-hmm. took i know they're building the stuff but man it felt like it just got a bit draggy for me there yeah and it, yeah, it, it, it happens as well in campaigns. I mean, because campaigns can take anywhere from like a couple of weeks to months. I think the one that I was in that I just ended was a little over a year. Yeah. And so you have all that, all that time to, you know, build character, create that cohesion. And then, you know, those moments of crisis really come in um, halfway more towards the end. And that's when that really feels like a payoff. But of course, it's a, you know, two over two hour movie. So it doesn't have that same amount of time. So, being able to condense a lot of that into what was presented here, you know, they, they did the best they could. And I think most of it did really well. Um, kind of gives a good idea of what <laughs> playing the game feels like. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely a, a challenge to take that experience and break it down to one single viewing uh, experience. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. I thought the settings, I don't know where it was shot. I thought the setting was fantastic. Um, I felt it was a bit more sophisticated than uh, than I was expecting some of the storylines to be. Um, it went to some places of real world, which is really weird to say about this clearly <laughs> fictitious place. Um, but it, it dealt with some big sort of concepts and didn't um didn't go childish with it. It was really it was really interesting going right from Mario to this. Um <laughs> so I appreciated the storytelling there and I will be lying if I said I didn't have an emotional reaction to the final 15 minutes of the film. I would mm-hmm. really be surprised. I I can't deny that. I'll talk more about that after the break so it feels like we're ready to sort of unpack the nitty-gritty here so now's the time where we go ahead and we give a verdict i'm a, i mean yours is supposed to be pretty easy to sort of read but see it or skip it um i'm gonna say you know see it whether you're a fan of the material or not um obviously everyone's gonna react differently like you don't have as much background with it as i do and you find it as much of a slog um the person went to go see it with doesn't have as much of a background with it as well but he still absolutely loved it. So that's something <laughs> something that we always say when we're trying to introduce someone into the um, to the game. You got to at least try it. Mm-hmm. You can you gotta at least try the movie to see how you feel about it. So I recommend a, a see it. Wouldn't it be funny if I said skip it here? <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to say see it. I'm going to say see it. And I did not think I was going to say that an hour in. I was like, skip this. I was like, what am I doing here? Um what they establish it takes a while they do pay it off so i'm gonna say see it and if an hour in you're like what is this stick with it stick with it i there is a a, a, 
some sometimes in games like this i'm sure it's a bit of a grind <laughs> this film yeah. felt like a bit of a grind but at the end it does pay off so go ahead and give it a watch so it, it it's it's two see it uh as we sit here today so uh that's the spoiler free version of the film i was really sitting there going i'm gonna really have a hard time uh saying things after the break actually just the opposite turns out i have a really hard time saying things before the break so uh to see it we'll give you the spoiler free sorry the spoiler filled version in a moment but we'll catch you on the flippity flop yeah flippity flip i fumbled it i'm sorry <laughs> you've just got yourself on the end of year show reel is what just happened there uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a place of honor cool. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Liam will have some company. Uh, <laughs> spoiler, 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 spoiler. We live in a house in a very big house. Spoiler country. There we are. Um, yeah. Uh, it is that time for the spoiler version uh, of this. Um, yeah. Uh, Kira Davis, who played... Uh, oh, no, that's right. That's not that's the wrong person. Daisy Head, who played Safina. She was just like the the witch character at the end of um, Justice League, who just sat there enchanting spells and like swirling her arms around. I always thought it was the same actress. I'm like, what? And the problem was you had to kind of make Hugh Grant the fa- the, the the sort of initial villain. Mm-hmm. but he wasn't a big enough bad to sort of make him the final villain. So right. there was that push where we had our emotional journey where everybody gets together on the boat. Um, and I'm sitting there going, well, that was easy. <laughs> well, too easy. I'm sure we got something else coming by. And then we did. And they have to go back in to sort of deal with it. And that it's that final sequence where they're all fighting her, where Doric has shapeshifted into some sort of mountain lion looking thing. And, you know, um, uh, Justice Smith's character, Simon, is, uh, you know, he's fully at his magical powers and everybody's doing. And, you know, to be fair, um, Chris Pine's character, uh, Edgen, he's really he's really just kind of Chris Pratting, Star-Lording at this point. What His job was he brought everybody else together, in a matter of speaking. He served his purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but I found that that was the part where I'm like, I can see what they're all doing. I imagine this because they kept trading off moments and that was how they were successful in beating this villain. I'm like, clearly this is how um, it's going to finish. And the bit where you have the bracelet, it takes away your magic power. They set that up in the labyrinth. You know, the, the, the 10 minutes where we, we pretended we were in a Hunger Games movie, like like all these things. <laughs> When I'm like, when he's like, we're going to put you in the tournament, I'm like, okay, hang on. Is there two act threes? This feels like we've just reset and gone back into act three again. But I ended up enjoying it. I didn't stay there too long. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there, there was, I really enjoyed that as well as I'll, I'll be, when they first showed Michelle Rodriguez with that arrow in her chest, I groaned. I went, oh, no. And then it hit me. Okay, you've got the thing. You've got the relic, which brings someone back to life. They're going to use it on her. And then the flashback to the dragonfly and the let it go. I'm like, oh, I didn't see this coming. Well, okay, well done. This is actually sort of, I was kind of given the story a bit of a hard time here, but I'm like, you have placed things in a way where things get the callbacks. So I was, uh, 
I was okay with it. Yeah. yeah. And thinking about it, like you're thinking back, you oh, I just punched my microphone. <laughs> thinking about it, looking back, it's even set up as far back as early on as part of like the exposition or detailing Chris Pine, uh, Chris Pine's character and Michelle Rodriguez kind of having that, you know, that friendship, that relationship to help raise um, Kira to begin with kind of has her like add in for a mom. The surrogate mom. I didn't yeah. think about that early on. Like that, 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 that connection isn't made because, oh, you know, dead wife, dead mom. And then here's someone who's kind of helping out. You don't make that mom connection until this, until the very end. Yep. Yeah, uh, the whole she in his, uh, I don't know if it was when he was on parole or whatever it was where he establishes that she's like a sister to him. Mm. I was like, that's really interesting. They've sort of been co-parenting, and you see it even when they first come back. Uh, the little girl runs and hugs her before she hugs him. And, you know, that they kept calling her like dune bug or bug or whatever it is. And there's, there's a clear affection between the two of them. I mean, the montage was full of like a billion memories that I could have done with seeing a few of at some point in the movie. <laughs> But we just shot a whole bunch of extra stuff and put it in there for that part at the end. Um, yeah, I, I I would have liked a little more time on Chris Pine's dilemma because he feels like he just has sort of this flashback and goes, yeah, okay. And I'm like, this has been your character's single motivating driving force for years. I also find it strange that someone would have this relic, and the minute you use it, it disintegrates. So no one ever came across this that was like, there's someone who's died I'd like to bring back into my life? Well, when it comes to objects like this, definitely in the game, they're definitely of a one-use or very limited since they're, you know, powerful. Yes. Immense. So, and there's a cost, whether it's um, an object or um, monetarily. So, and, and obviously thinking in universe or in like game it makes sense but in the outside yeah i mean if it's a holy order of sorts that chris finds a part of surely there would have been someone that would have wanted to have used that on yeah by that point in time depending how long they would have had it in like their vault oh. something- what what's that oh it's just this relic that brings someone back to life ah uh, yeah i put it in the corner who wants that Lock um, it away. i'll tell you what uh, when he was telling his backstory to the parole board and he gives that glance towards the gold, and then you find out through a follow-up scene that, that glance towards the gold was actually what gets his wife killed because they've put a curse on it, similar to kind of, I guess, you know, the Black Pearl, if you've seen Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean, that kind of concept. Uh, mm-hmm. That was really, really well done and an interesting sort of uh, – he kept even from us. So this idea that he'd been, he has been shielding himself for any responsibility he has – or he can't bring himself to say it out loud, and that's restricted even from us. That was, therefore, an enjoyable payoff, but it was one that was still organic because we saw the look at the treasure early on. Hmm. And so the idea that, yeah, he actually did take some interesting sort of concept and the struggle between doing the right thing but also providing for your family. That's kind of one of those concepts I'm talking about that I'm going, oh, that's actually a really kind of real-world situation that I think a lot of people could probably identify with. Do you do a job you love and you feel fulfilled at? Or do you have a job that pays the bills? And those aren't always the same job. So. Absolutely. And with his own motivation, even at the very end, talking about it, it kind of it kind of adds like another layer of why he's so adamant to getting this 
um, relic, kind of achieving this goal of revi- reviving um, his wife. And at the very end, he admits to his daughter, like, I'm not, I'm not looking to revive your mom, I'm looking to revive my wife. Cause I feel this amount of guilt that I had killed this person for so long, this person that I loved and it's my fault. So this driving need to rectify his own mistake. Yeah. It's an, it, it wasn't touched on as much as it should have probably, but it's an interesting concept because Michelle Rodriguez's character, she knows what she's getting into when she goes into battle there. She's mm-hmm. putting her life at risk knowingly. You still feel like Chris Pine's wife gets gets a little bit um a little bit hard done by cuz she you know she didn't know he stole where he got this from why the red priest or whatever it's called the red wizards are 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 coming to to kill her she had no agency in her death so you know while I'm sitting there going it's convenient for the plot because we've seen the bond between these two characters and you know, I'm not looking for your mom. I'm looking for my wife. Okay, here you go. It just so happens they're the same person. So we, you know, it's not. Uh, it kind of distinguishes like a difference. He's not doing it for his daughter, like he said the whole movie. He's okay. doing it for himself. Yeah, like it's, it turns out to more of a selfish reason. So he doesn't. But the question therefore goes then. So he never has looked at his daughter and gone, "I have robbed you of your mother." And if that's the case, why isn't he thinking that? I think that's something that came up more towards the end. I think what kind of helped my thought is why he gave up the relic so easily for Michelle Rodriguez. Cause in that moment he's like, Oh my goodness, I've been very selfish. I haven't thought about my daughter this whole time. I've been kind of a, uh, you know, in my own world, I should probably do something good for her for once. I mean, I think the correct answer is the movie wants, I mean, yeah, movie's got a movie, the movies, but. the movie's got a movie and this is the way they explain it to us. I'm still kind of like, <laughs> I think we still want to unpack a little bit of that, but no, honest to God, tears in my eyes welling up um, at this moment where I'm like, oh, shoot, he's going to have to make the impossible choice. And it was clear which one he was going to choose, and the movie was was guiding us that way. But yeah, it was, uh, I, I was not expecting that when I went to see Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> or amongst the <laughs> <laughs> Just a little emotional payoff. Um, also really interesting one was the divorce between um uh holga kilgore michelle rodriguez and bradley cooper speaking of marvel movies um I was, was that really bradley cooper i think it was bradley cooper it looked like bradley cooper to me maybe i'm wrong <laughs> uh, i'm looking i'm looking oh i can't see his name maybe i maybe i i saw that wrong uh bradley cooper Dungeons and Dragons, I'll tell you what, this might be listening to me. Um, yeah, Michelle Rodriguez reveals the truth about Bradley Cooper's Dungeons and Dragons cameo. So there we are. It was Bradley Cooper. Wow. I didn't even notice that was him. So look at me talking about Marvel movies. We got we got an MCU, you know, mainstay right there, months before, you know, the last in his trilogy comes out. But it was this... It was this really nuanced thing about you left your 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 people, your your community for me. But in doing so, you left them physically, but you never left them kind of spiritually or mentally or emotionally. And the loss of that you never recovered from. And that's a really that's a really sophisticated thing I wasn't expecting to see. And uh and then, you know, Bradley Cooper has 
remarried or at the very least repartnered. I'm a new partner. With someone who's got some 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 comparables. He, he clearly has a type. <laughs> he likes strong women, and that seems to be. And he smiles, and he goes, you know, the question was how long has been going on for? About a year. And he goes, I really hope you find something, you know, it should make you happy. And he goes through. She doesn't. She doesn't make me cry. Um, she doesn't. And I guess it's this idea of, I guess the good times aren't as good, but the bad times aren't nearly as bad either. And it's a really interesting choice. And I hope you get that. And, of course, at the end of the movie, we see her making eyes at some small little fella, so she's got a type two. Um, but the idea of it, you, that's the deal. You, you're not going to win him back. You move on. Which is what the whole film was. I guess it was a theme in this film. Moving on. Letting go. And sometimes moving on. It works out one way. Works another. Like, you know, they got Michelle Rodriguez back for moving on from the wife. But for Michelle Rodriguez, she had to move on from Bradley Cooper. Because obviously being so distraught that leaving her village and, you know, all that. Leaving them physically. She would then in turn still left him physically for being gone on the adventures and then worrying constantly and then being in prison for a year, you know, that puts a strain. You know, I, I used to have a travel job a couple of years ago and you know, being gone for days, weeks, almost a month at a time. Um, it, it does a lot to a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely, uh, imagine, that i mean i mean moving on it's a, it's a real easy thing to say <laughs> as we sit here easier said than done host of the film <laughs> podcast but man it can be hard um yeah um it's interesting that theme of moving on or letting go uh is also present in uh simon's storyline where he feels he's not good enough to uh to be the sorcerer he needs to be. And he actually has to let go of this, this imposter syndrome, this insecurity. And I don't know if I'm reading this right, because he was sort of haunted um, by this character that he interpreted as being his grandfather. I interpreted from minute one of going, this is the older version of himself. That was my read. Now he, I don't know if I read that right. <laughs> There's a bit at the end where he turns into the young version of himself. I don't know if that means I'm right or not, but uh, that was my read from minute one. Was this is old version of himself telling young version of himself, "You're not ready yet," and then it's the fight to overcome that battle within that frees him up. I don't know. That was my read of it. Well, what was yours? Well, what they stated um, kind of brought brought forth the name that it was his grandfather. So it could have been you know him himself kind of posing as someone else who has these um, who would have these expectations on him because he comes from a great line of other sorcerers, but only ultimately being himself who has these expectations, he's got to kind of get over. So it could be one way or another. I think that one could be a little more open to interpretation, um, but it is presented as if it is his grandfather um, who turns into just himself, but it could be himself just projecting as someone who could very well have the same kind of like talk towards himself. You know, if that makes any sense. No, it does, yeah. Um yeah, I don't I don't know him from anything else. I was really impressed with him. I thought he was very good in this. Um so there's that. Um go ahead. He was in the Jurassic Park Fallen King Banner. I never made it to Fallen Kingdom, so He was in Detective Pikachu. Yeah, I never I saw that either. 
So, yeah, it was, it was surprisingly good. I, I I enjoyed it. Obviously, it wasn't like a great great film, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, the girl who played Doric, uh, Sophia Lillis. I mean, she was she was all right. The shape shift, uh, the, the bit with the mirror. That was a bit of a of the mirror, the, the the stick. I felt the film in the in the middle third. I was groaning because every time they got into a situation, it was uh, Justice Smith's character, um, Simon, who'd go, "Oh, I have a thing for that," and it seemed like it was. A th- I was kept groaning, going, "Oh, it's another thing." So you know, he steps in the bridge. The bridge goes out. Oh, that stick you've got. That's a you know you know how much we love our magic doohickeys here on the BFE. Yeah. This thing had magic doohickeys for days, and not just magic doohickeys, but magic doohickeys that just appeared in the very moment you needed them. Oh, it's a it's a it's a stick ex machina. You just look at where you need to go, and and it can transport you across. And you know the bridge is the bit where we learn about it. So when we get, like I said, so when it gets used later on, you go, okay, I'm familiar with this. So they they took a lot of time building up the rules of their universe, and they used that quest to get the helmet to do a lot of this. Hmm. Um, that being said, while I felt it dragged in the to get the helmet, I feel that by the time we went back into the city. I knew what the rules were, and I was. It just took me a while to sort of. I probably felt like a first-time player going, "What are all the rules of this thing?" Uh, and then by the end, it's like me going, "Okay, I think I think I'm starting to get this now." So yes, that was all right. And the guy from Bridgerton was was really quite funny, as sort of like you know the 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 experienced player leading me through the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. So there we are. And there's another bit of like a letting a theme of moving on or letting go, which nice little touch. But uh, Chris Pine's character has sort of resentment towards his his kind, you know, because his people are where the redbirds it's come from. So overcoming or letting go of that, I guess, kind of racism, essentially, because he sees all of them as terrible people who have brought nothing good. And then you hear like four different people saying, oh, I've heard about this person. He's done actually a lot of good. And his introduction physically is him saving a kid from a fish's mouth. That's right. I'll be honest, at this point, there was a lot of lore that had been thrown at me, and I'm not sure I even picked that up. <laughs> the idea that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going, I'm, I'm really struggling to take in everything that I've been told here. Uh, that's fair. But yeah. I mean, partway through that whole endeavor, he says, I'll, I'll never hold on to that person's hand because he says, you know, grab my hand and we'll make it through the oh, yes. underground I, cave system. And at the end, grabs hands to save him from. That's an, dragon. that's an excellent point. I thought it was just a little light homophobia. <laughs> that whole, I'm too manly. I'm not holding something that guy's hand. As well as that, you know, classic, here's the guy who does what you do, but he's better at you at doing it, and you're kind of constantly up against him, and everyone's like, he is amazing, and you're like, yeah, well, I can do that, and it's, it's that bit where you're like, and he's just the nicest guy. He's completely unaware of it. You're mad at him for this reason um hugh grant um in, in all his proper slimy villain self they didn't wait too long for the for the reveal which i liked he seems like the kind of guy who would have a an air balloon 50 feet high with his face on it mm-hmm. um you know the idea that he's the he's poisoning the uh he's poisoning the uh daughter against the father fo- I, I, I was like well why does he want to take care of her so much and he establishes you know it's kind of like being a god and i'm like okay i can i can buy that okay he's getting some sort of an emotional thing for it and part of it's this sense of uh 
uh, fulfillment, whether it's kind of the classic, you know, oh, you know, I learn more from them than they do from me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's, it, it's a bit more self-serving. Yeah, and it's nice to have that kind of like holding someone hostage or kind of, you know, having someone go against the main character, not for, you know, the usual like pure spite or for this other like pure other evil just purely against the antagonist, but have a more as a more built up, self-fulfilling, selfish kind of reason. Yeah. That makes any sense. I mean, does- despiteing him and kind of screwing him out of like his daughter um, is kind of like a afterproduct of that. But his whole thing, as he said, sees himself as a god and why not? help raise this person, make this person after my image. The one weakness in that storyline to me was she's clearly has this really strong relationship with um, Michelle Rodriguez's character. And I'm like one question <laughs> to her during that, that bit where she's like not talking to her dad would have, and it's what happened later. She went, he was telling you the truth and she went, Oh, like, <laughs> if he'd done that an hour and a half ago we could have saved ourselves uh you know but you know movie's got a movie we got to sort of create conflict here mm-hmm. um so it's not just dad and you, and you sort of run back um i'm trying to remember why it was that the the wizard character uh, the one that i've hated on so much why was it that she decided to keep them alive and put them in the tournament what was the what was the end game to that because they they even questioned why would she keep us alive i'm like why did she keep them alive it's it's a classic like bond villain thing i'm gonna put you in this elaborate trap and look the other way and hope that you don't make it out alive kind of deal that's 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 my guess it's out of this because she she had all of them but the trap worked she already had the elaborate trap but it worked brilliantly she mm-hmm. had them all, you know. She's got she's got a helmet boy in the in the, in the empty, um, in the empty vault. She's got um, Chris Pine confessing to a daughter who's not there and pouring his heart out. Like all of them have been caught through like these elaborate traps that they've set up. Wasn't it? Wasn't it Hugh Grant's character that convinced to put them in the games or in the tournament? No, it's 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 her. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch it this weekend anyway, right, so okay. I, can, I can get a solidified answer. <laughs> have a look. If I'm wrong, I'll push the yellow button on myself. But yeah, it was it was weird because I would have thought he would have been the one to have been like, "Let's go ahead and do this." Um, oh, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. I think he knows them well enough to go. They might actually they might actually manage to pull this off. Now, I did groan a bit when she goes and jumps in when um, Doric goes and jumps in the uh, in the translucent cube, and it just happens to pull the uh <laughs> pull the bracelet off her head i'm like well that's super easy barely an inconvenience i'm like i don't know how that works so i think your wrist is still the same size whether you're in that or not in that but uh i suppose here's our here's our way out of it i mean it's not something that people who again that's something that's not really ex- wouldn't be explained well but uh the gelatinous cube is something that is in dungeons and dragons and as you saw with the the behemoth of a man who kind of dove into it, it just kind of melts you away little by little. So being in there long enough to maybe kind of do something to either erode the metal or erode something on her maybe, because they said not too long after, like a little bit longer and more skin would have been burned off. So when you saw a gelatinous so, cube, you had like a little pop where you're like, hey, it's the cube. Like, hey, I know that thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because for me it was just something they had to introduce and something they had to sort of explain a bit, which is hard to do when you've got this 
I don't know, panther with projection abilities mm-hmm. chasing after you. It's a bit of a hard time to do some exposition, but they sort of managed to get some done. They were able to quickly, you know, telegraph, this is what it is, this is what it does, and this is why it's in this labyrinth. Um, I'll tell you what, I mean, for the most part, the CGI was spot on. The only the only grumble I'd have on it would be when they're getting the helmets and this dragon or something's chasing them and, and it gets stuck. That looked a bit iffy when they're standing in front and the dragon's behind them. I was like, okay, that's some of your worst green screen, screen, screen shot you've had today. Um, and then, I don't know, they they they... they did some sort of spell where he used his finger of power to create um, a flame, which then was engulfed by the, the dragon while they hit underneath from the salt water. And it, we just had like this, this, like we heard an explosion, saw some flame, and then we dissolved to the shot of them like swimming through this endless bit of water. And I'm like, that's a bit of storytelling um, shortcut you're doing there. That requires a lot of like on visual cues. Um, because as we see, the dragon struggles to breathe fire, but you see kind of sparks going off in the back of its throat. It's yeah. so clearly spewing some kind of propellant, some kind of gas. So to bring up like a flame to that as it's trying to ignite, kind of does okay. that to blow up the cave so they can escape. So I'm guessing the dragon dies in the explosion, but none of them do? Because they're all underneath the salt water? I can't, I can't explain that. That one is a little like, okay, if you're underneath water and the rocks kind of go underneath, how do you, yeah. how do you escape that? That's <laughs> the one thing I The rocks got to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and last I checked, if you heat up water, <laughs> it will boil. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if they're protected from the temperature. The flame, maybe, I'll give you that. But I don't know about the temperature or the falling rock. But regardless, it just disappears and off they go. But it's one of those forgivable movie things. We got we to gotta get them out of there. Why? Because we need the third act to happen. And this is just that middle movie crisis point. Uh, it, it was magic. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. They did some magic thing and they're on their way. Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen with this? Do you, think they're, do you think they're aiming to build a universe around this? I mean, it feels like it's ripe for a sequel, doesn't it? Yeah, but everything... Everything wraps up really nicely at the end. Everyone's arcs get resolved, even like a lot of the minor side plots, you know, like Doric's, Simon, you know. I I don't think like a sequel, like a continuation of this story. I, I hope that not like uh, Expanding Universe isn't built. Because as we see these days, universes are, are, are being done to death. Everyone's trying to launch a new Marvel, but in a fraction of the time and effort yep if we were to do another movie in this franchise i would imagine it being a whole separate story that kind of so nice and self-contained and if it's in the same world i mean more power to them but i don't see these characters coming back for another romp really okay it's it's all right it's taking about 73 million dollars home at the box office uh split fairly even between domestic and international which is a bit uh a bit of a of a tale to suggest you know it's got global appeal. That's that sort of uh, mm. that's that sort of uh, avatar sort of success story. You definitely don't want something where it's it's super super strong uh, only only domestically, like Cocaine Bear with its seventy seven percent, or Scream Six with its sixty six percent. You want something that can play play to a global audience, and fantasy's easy because 
A, you can double out of it. And B, I think we can, you know, the ability to like run away from a dragon, we can all sort of put our heads around it as opposed to if you go more nuanced with, you know, bears who do cocaine, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the premise of that. Um, I'm trying to think, if, if they were to come out with these same characters, now that we've established who they are and what they do, now the question becomes, then what are their journeys? Because they've all sort of overcome whatever it was that was bothering them. But would I be up for them to go on a, on a second, more streamlined adventure? Sure. Sure, I would. Hugh Grant's still out there. You know what I mean? They've established he's there. He's present. He does not die. Um, so he's there as a great return to call back just in the middle of the second movie when you forget all about him. Bam, he shows up and you go, oh, he's back. What? Um, prison somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gets out of the prison, which I mean, there was a great callback to that at the end, how they get out of the prison by. You know, originally they just grabbed this bird and fly out, steal him out the window after they'd already earned their pardon. Brilliant. Um, but they, 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 they sort of see that coming with like a stone wall, whether that was uh, input by them or whether it was our heroes arriving a year later and using the magic stick to put a brick wall in its place. Uh, either one would, would definitely suffice. Um, I think I'd be up for seeing another kick at the can. Uh, it's all going to come down to, how do the financials do and how much of a pay rise does everybody want to come back and do it again? I think if it were to be done in true Dungeons and Dragons fashion, we can have a lot of the same cast members return, but it would be a whole different story and playing different cast of characters. Oh, wow. Okay. That could be an interesting concept. Not sure how it'll be done in execution, but this just, yeah, wishful thinking. See, I didn't think this was going to be <laughs> successful with the IP. I went, how do you brand? Same thing I thought when I saw the the Warcraft film, which I never saw. But I was like, how are you going to make this work? And uh, it seems like they, they very much didn't. <laughs> but yeah, this, it, didn't. it didn't work at all. Yeah. This one, though, it feels, <laughs> it feels like they've created something. That's why I asked you the question, how faithful is this? Because it does feel like you've created some sort of a of a cast of characters that would be like, it's this ragtag group of families. He finishes by saying, you are my people. Are you going to go back to your people? No, no, you are my people. And so then that re- requires the question, well, what are your people going to do next? If people want to, but as of right now, there's been no announcement for a second film, but I mean, I don't know what the, uh, if I click on this, I'm currently on box office mojo. I'm just wondering if I click on this, if it tells me what the budget was for it. Uh, it is not telling me the budget for it. Maybe I can do a quick Google search and find that. Uh, $150 million. Whoa, really? Wow. Yeah. So you've got to do like double, if not triple that to really truly break even. Because that doesn't take into account um, distribution or or marketing. So that's just production. So you're looking at like 400 mil. And it's not like, what did I say, 79? Yeah. Oh, there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you can strike the last five minutes of the pod. There was that's definitely not happening. Like I said, wishful thinking, wishful thinking. And hey, uh, I want to say this: I would never have seen this film if you hadn't of uh, thrown it in the chat to go ahead and give it a watch. And I, I, I did enjoy it. Now, am I going here? Going it's a ten of the ten. Definitely go see it. Nah, about that uh it's not you know it's it's not gonna be one of those ones where i become almost an you know evangelical for it you gotta see this movie but i went and i had a good time 
and that was something that I, I wasn't really truly expected i was open-minded but at the halfway point i was going oh man i am not enjoying this and it won me out at the end so again i would like to reiterate if for some reason you've listened to this i mean why would you spoil a fair chunk of the movie for yourself but go go see it it's a good little it's 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 a good movie it'll be one of those ones you'll talk about hey chris pine yeah he remember he was in the dungeons and dragons movie that's okay so uh, thanks thanks to Yeet for uh, doing that, and thanks to Yeet for joining me today. Of course. i like to thank Rotten Tomatoes for giving it a 91% and thinking, yes, this can count. Is it 91%? Well, it, it would count either way. For see it or skip it, you know, kind of all gloves are off. We're like, we don't really know. The, the votes haven't finally been tallied, yada, yada, yada. So we'll, we'll go see anything on a see it or skip it. But, uh, yeah, definitely 91%, but I did not know it was that high. Maybe if I thought it was that high, I'd have given it more faith in the second act. <laughs> yeah, what if? So there we go. Listen to hey, we got a hundred percent of the people here said go see it, and ninety one percent of the people in Rotten Tomatoes said go see it. So go ahead and give that a watch again thanks to yeet for joining us today. Uh, hey, if you want to f- figure out how you can get involved on a level like this, uh, we got a Patreon. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash BFE. We kept it simple for you. Keep an ear out. We're going to be dropping something about the Super Mario Brothers movie coming up soon. I'm assuming that's not 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. I haven't looked for that one either, but uh, it would surprise me if it was. Uh, no spoilers there. Um, so, on the of that, uh, thanks uh, a whole bunch. Uh, we'll wrap this one up for best film ever. I've been here. I've been the E-Meister. And we'll catch you on the flippity-flop. The flippity-flip-flop. <laughs>